to the fast lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Yeah, it's summer. It's summer, Jen. I know. I'm excited. It's driving season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you, I guess uh, you have to drive all year round. Welcome to our auto expert. Fabulous show lined up for you today. We've got a, a lot of things to talk about. Jen's been uh, busy all week. Uh, preparing various guests, uh, bigwigs, whatnot, uh, famous people, uh, people in the know. <laughs> and then uh, and me. She prepared me for the show, too, as well. What are we going to talk about? Uh, this last week, uh, FCA, Fiat Chrysler, have an event called What's New? And they put together a whole bunch of new stuff, most of it embargoed. Can't talk about it till September 1st. Big secret. They show it to the media, and then we have to... Sit on it and stew. Do you want me to turn the microphone down while you adjust it? Here you go. You can adjust it now. Thank you. And uh, and then, uh, but one of the things they announced that we are allowed to talk about is the new uh, Dodge Challenge Charger Wide Body Hellcat and various other things, not just Hellcat. But uh, I I don't know why they've taken so long to do a wide body. Um, and it looks amazing. Looks absolutely. In fact, I don't it's beefy. I don't quite know how we managed to get through the day without a wide body. To be honest with you, I know it's really nice. We're going to talk about that. We're going to have uh, Ashton on, um, and he's going to tell us about that. I've just got back from Germany. Uh, that was crazy trip. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Ein bisschen, danke. Yeah, I had a great time in Germany. Uh, I got to drive stuff I can't tell you about. I got to see stuff I can't tell you about. But I did. There was a lot I can tell you about. Uh, Germany, it, they just got their act together, and uh, I love the fact. I always like to push the window. You know this, Jen. Of course. In l- real life, <laughs> I like to push the window. And in cars, I like and in cars, and I like to uh, ask people things. <laughs> that you know uh, we could possibly do and they said no it's forbidden so in other words it's you made nine, the germans bad nine it is forbidden <laughs> my colleague will tell you it is forbidden you cannot do this nine that's nine it's forbidden so i had a lot of forbiddens while i was in germany <laughs> i did things that were forbidden um i i will tell you though uh one mile an hour one kilometer an hour off the uh, race car driver's time one kilometer an hour off it's amazing 296 kilometers an hour and the race car driver that was with us had got 297 i'm like oh one kilometer an hour <laughs> so you're gonna tell gosh everybody how many miles per hour that actually uh, like is. 186 there you go 184 something yeah. like that doesn't really matter at that point because you hit something it's all over <laughs> so <laughs> So true. Thank goodness for the Autobahn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how thrilling it is. Like I feel like uh, five years ago. I feel like I'm 21 again. Good. It's like amazing. Good. And you didn't bark at <clears throat> that at all. Like John Eric got it. Mm-hmm. That would make me 26. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Just yeah. I'm paying math. attention, but okay. you're not. Doing math. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're 296 kilometers an hour. Can't tell you what I was driving, though. Big secret. I uh, know. It's, uh, it's forbidden for me to tell you. It's under <laughs> embargo. Uh, we're also going to get a chance to talk about the uh, Grand Prix races. They're coming to Portland. We're going to talk to um, our friends about that. We had them on last year. Uh, we're going to talk about cars and couture, which is a fashion show. 
It's going to be happening in Seattle, in, in Tacoma. Mm-hmm, at the LeMay. At the LeMay Museum. Um, and last year was around BMW. Was it was. Thing. This it, year? Not sure yet. All right, we're going to find out. Yes. You know, we're going to leave no stone unturned when no. we get to talk about that. Uh, Perry Stern from MSN Autos is going to be joining us and our autoexpert.com. He does uh, a lot of the website stuff. Uh, our pal Perry was on the Hyundai Palisade event. This is a vehicle that's rocking the third row SUV world. The Hyundai Palisade and its sister vehicle, the Kia Telluride, I'm having a hard time not purchasing one of these. Seriously, starting price $32,000, fully loaded, fully loaded, $43,000, an amazing vehicle. He's going to tell us more about it. Uh, had a lot of fun with Javier Muta, uh, who is a Hispanic journalist. Him, Javier, and I drove through Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, all the way to Moscow, Idaho. And uh, <laughs> we had a really, really great time. It was astounding. Vehicle is astounding, but Perry's going to tell us all about that. And then we're going to be joined by Mr. Crazy himself, Anton <laughs> Wallman, who is our independent analyst and investor. We, and he, yeah, we lovingly call him Mr. Crazy, but he uh, started talking about Tesla. It'll never stop. I know. Uh, it's like people are gouging their ears out. However, he does have really good information. Yes, he does. Um, he has the inside dirty dirty on everything going on in the tech and electrical world, so we'll be talking to him. Uh, I failed to get the flights... It was sold out that I needed to go drive these cars in Germany. So I was 18 hours to get from here to Munich because I had to go. I had three flights. It was long. It was long. And then uh, it was tough. It was long. Thank goodness for automated passport control, though, at uh, Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. Yeah. Because you just put your passport in the machine and it <laughs> sucks it in <laughs> and uh, then opens the doors and spits it back out. And, and you're you good know. to go. Good to go. Nice. Sometimes it says go and see a man about a stamp, but I had a I have a British passport as well as an American passport, and so um, I leave on one and enter on the other, which I got caught doing, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we drove all these amazing vehicles in Germany. I drove a vehicle in Germany that will not be announced until the LA Auto Show in November. Can't tell you about it. All I can tell you is... Amazing. What I can tell you about, and we'll talk more about this as we get into the show, is uh, so we went through some technology stuff. Their Formula E cars, pretty amazing. Mm, I love Formula um, E. One of the chairman of the boards of uh, Tesla, of, uh, Tesla of BMW said that Tesla's uh, pickup truck, sorry, Tesla's uh, heavy duty truck, their um, electrified truck. Yeah, their electrified mm-hmm. big truck, the big one. Yes. The big 18 wheeler. Pure fantasy, he said. <laughs> the technology does not exist in the world to make that a reality. So, uh, but he used a world that beginning began with B. We can't tell you what that is either. Is that, what is that, Forborton? Yes, Forborton. <laughs> Uh, that word is forbidden. Forbidden. Uh, so we can't talk about that. But um, I can talk about some of the tech that we saw there in Germany. Uh, a, a electric helicopter. Electric helicopter. That was pretty impressive. Not sure we're going to be getting in that anytime soon without a parachute. Uh, but uh, we did that. And they have new stuff that BMW uh, have invented where your car sees a traffic light and stops. Yeah, no more red light problems, people. Uh, if you're kind of thinking about running a red light, this might be in a new BMW. All that and more coming up as our auto expert continues. God, you're so excited now, aren't you?
Keep listening. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up. Start your engines and you're off. Back to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you know, packed. Packed. We're going to probably have to use some kind of crowbar to get the rest of the uh, cool stuff in on this week's show. Mention that FCA, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, had their big event uh, last week in uh, Chelsea, uh, in Michigan. They did the What's New event where they rolled out a bunch of stuff, including... Long awaited, big drum roll, please. Long awaited, a brand new Dodge wide body for the Charger. Uh, it comes in several different formats. Ashton Munoz is joining us on the phone. He is the Dodge Charger brand manager for Ashton. First of all, three of my favorite people in the world work with you uh, Claire, uh, Kristen, and your big cheese in charge, Scott. Tim Kaniscus. Oh, oh Scott. come on. Scott works for all the FCA brands. Yeah. But, uh, Scott's you know, cool. Scott's a very cool guy. He is, too. So, Ashton, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, glad to be on. Good uh, to hear you have some favorites, too. Yeah, I do. Those, they're pretty stellar people, aren't they? Uh, Tim Kaniscus, who's now, again, the president uh, of uh, Dodge, he has always been a great pal and has the foresight to do lots of cool stuff. I mean, he brought us the Demon and he brought us the Hellcat and, and many other things in between. I remember when, uh, Tim was launching the, uh, the, the Hellcat, he sat me down and he said, how do you think it's going to do? And I said, I think it's going to do pretty well. He goes, I got to sell about 6,000 a year to make, uh, all the promises I made to at the time, Sergio Marcioni come true. <laughs> And at the end of the yeah. first year, he was like, yeah, I did 26,000, my friend. I'm like, nice. <laughs> so it, it, Under promise, over delivery. Yeah, it's been good. All right, so you let's get to your product. Uh, you have this new wide body. So first of all, what have you been doing for two years while we've been waiting for this? <laughs> no pressure. You, you know, can't roll everything out <laughs> at once. Everything takes a while to work on, but... Um, we, you know, one of the big things we do is we, we always listen to what our customers are telling us, whether they are screaming it at our faces or having normal conversations at events. But, um, we, we've learned a lot of our customers wanted some love for the charger and 2020, we were able to deliver on that promise. And we brought the wide body to the Hellcat standard and optional on the scat pack. And then we brought a host of other, um, kind of nicer interior features for the inside uh, we have wheels that touch pretty much every model in the in the Charger lineup to 20. So yeah, we've uh, we wanted to deliver deliver uh, to our fans and our enthusiasts, and here we are, 2020 Charger Wide Body Hellcat. So uh, who who's responsible for designing this? So um, I was actually Mark Trosso leads up right. uh, the exterior design studio. Um, I actually listened to a. Um, uh, a segment with you and Mark uh, a few days ago, but uh, on, on the eyes for design. But yeah, so Mark and his team um, leaded up the exterior design of the uh, Charger wide body. And you'll see, have you seen pictures of it yet? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. I have to say. So you'll see it's a little, it's slightly different than the Challenger's execution. And what's really nice about this is we redid the front and rear fascias totally so you'll see on the front and rear fascias, they're actually integrated into those fender flares. Right. Um, they're a two-piece fender flare. So some of the fender flare is bolted on, and then some is actually integrated into the front and rear fascia. So it's a 
a real nice design that pulls the whole car together, makes it look really modern. No, I like it a lot. Uh, I've always actually, and please don't tell anybody this, especially Kristen Starnes, <laughs> but uh, I've always favored the Charger over the Challenger, uh, just purely because it, it makes a lot more practical sense every day. Even though the Challenger right. was the kind of the lead uh, vehicle on the Hellcat, I like the Charger more because you have the four doors and uh, you have more practicality, yet you still have the what the heck under the hood, which uh, is my favorite yeah, part, of course. Yeah. Um, so and that's one of my. Fi- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say. So, Mark Trossel, by the way, uh, is uh, is also responsible for the wheel designs of these cars because he uh, he told me a little story, which is he found it very difficult to wash the wheels that other people designed on these cars, and so he stopped letting other designers design the wheels because he said, "When I wash my <laughs> wheels, I do it by hand, and I expect to get my hand in between the spokes." And he said, "Other designers." didn't think that was important so now he designs all the wheels himself which i think is awesome that is pretty cool he's told me that story before and, and when i even wash our own cars and maybe it's an fca thing hopefully but uh we uh we always like to work on our own stuff and you'll see us out washing our own cars tinkering on our engines and messing around with motorcycles and cars and, and whatever it can be but yeah it's fun and it's, it's nice to know little stories behind that on, on why the wheels are designed the way they are or certain features around the exterior interior of the car if you're just joining us uh, we are talking to ashton about the brand new dodge charger wide body the new vehicle that was announced last week at the fiat chrysler automobiles what's new event so is the car just a facelift in the way it looks or did it get some new mechanical upgrades so exterior for sure facelift um we did give it some mechanical upgrades as as um the, we retuned the suspension on it, and it, it obviously now you'll see it has the uh, 20 by 11 inch wheels on it with the 305 Pirellis. So we actually added about three and a half inches um, of width into the tire in, into the entire car. Um, so like I said, it, it, and actually now the Hellcat finally comes with electronic power steering oh, nice. to manage those big wheels, whether yeah. you're on the highway, um, on the track. Or even in, like just turning around in parking lots, it's, it's a lot easier now to manage those big wheels and tires. So yeah, big wheels and tires, suspension upgrade, um, EPS, and obviously our engineers tuned it um, to ride and handle with the new added width to the car. Uh, does have you done a burnout in this yet? Uh, I sadly say I have not. We've been trying to uh, keep it under wraps for a while. And the only time I got to drive the car um, out in public, I had to be pretty tame with it. But as soon as I can get my hands on one again, I'm, you'll, you'll see some smoke. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think you can really call yourself brand uh, manager, uh, Ashton, without doing a burnout. Just saying. I think you should call. I mean, I'm, I'm going to text Tim Kaniskas right now and tell him to get you on for, to do a burnout. Um, Absolutely. How do you guys feel about having Tim back at the helm? It's awesome. It's reinvigorating. Uh, we love what he brings to the brand and kind of the crazy ideas that get um, brought to the table and, and executed. It's, we're definitely love to have Tim back. Yeah, my uh, Tim's one of my heroes in automotive world. Uh, this is a guy who worked his way up through the Dodge brand as a salesman. 
Uh, he used to sell the cars at first and, uh, and then worked his way into the company. Uh, he, uh, he's the sort of guy that goes, uh, what is impossible? And people tell him and he goes, all right, now tell me how we can actually make it possible. That's what I love about him. Who, who <laughs> would have thought that Vin Diesel would be introducing a, uh, the demon which had, you know, 800, seven, almost 800 horsepower. In it, no, eight hundred, right, yeah, right. eight forty, whatever it was, crazy amount. But he looks at what is impossible and tries to find ways to actually do it. Um, and I love him. And yeah, I think they're right. I think he should be. Uh, I, I just even if he goes on to be president of the world, I think he should uh, still uh, run Dodge because without Tim, uh, Dodge seems to not be everything it can be. And I'm really glad he's back at the helm. I'm expecting to see some crazy new Dodges over the next few years uh, from him. <laughs> we're, we're definitely working on some cool stuff right now. And it's funny. We kind of joke around sometimes is like he comes, uh, he comes up with these crazy impossible ideas. And then we're the guys that, Make sure it has to get done. <laughs> I mean, it's. I, I wish I could live my life vicariously through Tim. It must be pretty amazing. Uh, when is this <laughs> wide body charger going to hit dealerships, and when can we pre-order? So we'll start taking orders at the beginning of, or I'm sorry, at the end of this year, and you'll start to see them trickle down into dealerships um, at the beginning of 2020. Now, is it going to be, uh, because I will tell you, I have a friend who owns uh, a local dealership in Newburgh, Oregon, a Dodge dealership, and he always wants uh, everything that you know you guys sell, and sometimes you have allotments, and he doesn't get what he wants, so will there be plenty to go around? There'll be plenty to go around. We'll take as many uh, orders as we can get. Do we know how much it's going to cost? We're not guess? coming out with pricing until the, closer to the end of this year. Um, it should be similar to what we're seeing on Challenger, though. About 65, something like that. 70. No, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't <laughs> give you a hard number. Like I said, won't, won't be coming out with that for a little bit. But what about a soft number? Can you give me a soft number? No, I think that's, what is it, forbidden. <laughs> oh, it's forbidden. 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 I just got back from Germany where the BMW were telling me things were forbidden. So... Uh, listen, Ashton, thanks so much for taking some of your Sunday out to talk to us about the new Dodge Charger Widebody. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, of course, you can check out at Dodge.com. Uh, there they'll have all the information about it or our AutoExpert.com as well. You can find out more at the website. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to our Auto Expert. Uh, just a quick note, by the way, if you're, uh, if you're out and you're hard driving, at the end of the show, could you uh, just pull off the side of the road? Jen doesn't want to have to deal with traffic on the way home. <laughs> just hoping that you could just pull over so she can get home. Yeah. Just things to do. It's the summertime. She has, uh, she has agendas. And uh, and if you get in the way, it's forbidden. Forbidden. <laughs> I'm just gonna start screaming out the we're, window. <laughs> we're talking about uh, my trip to uh, Deutschland. I went to Germany for the week with BMW to take a look at some uh, new cars. Uh, so they we went to BMW World, and this is interesting. By the way, you'll you'll have seen the pictures. It's like four tubes together in a big. Uh, I don't know what you call it. It's like four tubes. The BMW the building. Oh, yes, yeah. the building. Okay. It's like, it's yes. like uh, four big tubes that are put together. Correct. And it's all suspended by wires, so they built the top floors first, and they built them down. And uh, about five years ago, 1972 or something, it was first built. They, uh, a few years ago, they had to replace the wires. 
at that point you go, well, whose idea was it to suspend this whole big four pillars by and, wires? And how did they do that? Replace know. the wires. My head hurts just thinking about it. Uh, so we went to BMW World and we had a day. Um, first of all, by the way, uh, I don't know if they're listening. Portugal the man. I think they're from from uh, from the northwest. The mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. So I come to the airport and there's a guy holding a sign that says BMW Next, which is, you know, what we're going to, next gen. Yeah. And I said, hey, hi, how are you? And the guy comes up and he puts his arms and he goes, hello, welcome to Munich. So nice to see you. Oh, welcome, say thank you. Said, I said, oh, my name's a little bit weird, but okay. <laughs> Apparently BMW, a very huggy organization. <laughs> Uh, hugging is not forbidden. Um, and so I'm thinking, all right, nice guys. So I uh, hugged him back. I was very, you know, very Did you official. do the kiss kiss? No, that's more French. More Italian. Germans, uh, Italian, French. Uh-huh. Germans, Germans are a little bit sterile, a bit standoffish. So I was surprised when this guy was hugging me and I said, uh, so um, my name's Nick Miles and I'm uh, one of the, uh, the the journalists here. There was 18 of us, I think, total. And he goes, oh, Enigma, I don't have you on the list. Uh, I'm like, oh, this could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> this could be bad. And I said, um, journalist, Nick Miles? No, I could call somebody. I mean, I, you know, I have an itinerary here. And he goes, let me check. Uh, you're so you are not with Portugal the man. I went, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. And if you've ever seen me, it probably wouldn't make a very good um, band member of any band. I've never met Portugal, the man, by the way, so but I probably wouldn't, you know, I mean, you wouldn't reckon to stand looking at me in an airport and go, oh, my goodness. That it's Nick He's a rock star. Like, <laughs> yeah. He should have a, a guitar and leather pants and wear a weight. No, that's not really me. No. Uh, so, um, you know, then the band came out. Uh, apparently, my driver had taken someone to the hotel, so he oh. showed up. This guy was there to meet the band. The band were going to be playing for the Paris Hilton was there. Uh-huh. And we're going to be playing for the influencers. Uh-huh. She was the leader of the influencers, and uh, and that's what they were there for. When the band came out, I have never met Portugal the man, but I could totally be a member of Portugal the man. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I could <laughs> I t- can check that like, out. I could be a member of Portugal the man, and you'd have no problem believing <laughs> that I was. Anyway, so uh, I uh, texted my friend uh, Marconi and said, uh, "Hey, buddy," because he's friends with him. Uh-huh. I said, uh, "Guess what? I just got." Accidentally not recognized from member of Portugal the man, uh, so he had a field day with that. Oh, I'm sure that was Marconi funny. did. Yeah, yeah. He, good, he, he thought that was hilarious. Uh, anyway, so uh, we got picked up, taken to the airport. I usually sleep off the first day because you know I've been up for something like 32 hours, 34 hours. So you sleep off. Uh, I ate a lot of schnitzel. I saw a lot of incredible cars. We talked about the electric helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had an electric helicopter on display there. You know, at best of times, uh, I have a friend, um, Micah, who is a helicopter pilot. He works for Edmund. Uh, no, so he works for Kelly Blue Book. He's a helicopter pilot. And he, um, I've taken lessons to be a helicopter pilot. Mm. And let me just tell you, it's scary enough without it being electric. Mm. Just saying. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't know, you know, uh, look no. comfortable. Uh, I mean, I'm just talking about it. You look a little bit like you might just throw up a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. You I know? think you're good on the ground, Nick. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. What are you saying? You wouldn't trust me as a helicopter pilot? Oh, heck no. Oh. <laughs> but a confidence, one for two. You flying helicopter, four button. Yeah, for <laughs>
so, anyway, they had an electric helicopter. They had the Formula E cars. Oh, pretty yeah. impressive. That, I bet. New 8 Series Grand Coupe. That's pretty impressive. So, they took the 8 Series, which is their, uh, you know, you know you're familiar mm. with the Z4. It looks like a giant Z4. They're mm-hmm. making that a Grand Coupe with four doors. Uh, they had a new uh, 3 Series wagon. They had a couple of other, you know, there was a long list of new cars. But they had this, uh, this next... Uh, this next gen vehicle, the iNext uh, M version, and I have to tell you, like if I was Lamborghini, I would be seriously worried. Really? This car looks absolutely amazing. Is this the one you can't talk about? No, I can talk oh, about this oh, one. Okay. Six hundred horsepower. Ooh. Uh, all electric. Yeah. Um, looks very space agey. Actually, they had a vehicle. I'm going to try and break my brain and get it right. 1972 BMW had a concept car called the BMW Turbo. And this looks very similar to it. But I sat down with a member of the board of BMW, and he said, and I'm reading between the lines a little bit because he wouldn't directly say it, but he said they're going to build it. I can tell you 70G was a good year. Was it? Yeah. You were born then, That's weren't right. you? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> so I look forward to that M Next vehicle uh, coming soon. 600 horsepower, 0 to 60, quicker than you can put on your seatbelt, all electric. Uh, this thing will either drive autonomously or not autonomously, depending on your choice. You can do both. Is that going to uh, come to the States? Uh, of course. Of course <laughs> it'll come to the States. Nice. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Indy Grand Prix. Coming to Portland, Oregon. That's more as our auto expert continues. You, by the way, can check us out online. OurAutoExpert.com, all the social medias. Our Auto Expert, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, what's the one I'm forgetting? And the other one. Podbean. Podbean. <laughs> more of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. Our auto expert continues. Here's your host, Nick Miles. If you thought in some way, shape, or form that uh, the Northwest was missing racing, you clearly have your calendar unprofessionally, unproperly marked. You should be forbidden for being a car fan. <laughs> Uh, there is a great racing calendar in the Northwest, and uh, Jen is probably more excited about the next up-and-coming race we're going to talk about than anything else, aren't mm-hmm. you? I am. Have you, when was the last time you went? Last year. You went last year? Mm-hmm. It was the first time to return to Portland. Right. IndyCar races. That's right. Uh, and, uh, you know, what, what would the IndyCar... And we're a little way out from the IndyCar races, but uh, it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be uh, proper of us not to get everybody riled up and going and get their uh, IndyCar race uh, support gear on. Uh, Jerry Jensen's joining us on the phone. Jerry, coming back again to Portland. I am. Yeah, you know, <laughs> IndyCar racing is nice. Can I tell you, you know, I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be back on your show. You know, I've kind of missed you guys a little less. <laughs> it's been a year. Uh, it's, it's, it's been you know, pr- probably, gotta... probably a little under a year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So last year was that that was the first year back for you? Yeah, you know it was. Uh IndyCar racing hadn't been in Portland for 12 years and uh you know so last year was the return of IndyCar racing and you know I just I just got to say you know the turnout was phenomenal. Um the fans and what I kept hearing from the drivers and teams was uh, just the engagement and how appreciative all the fans really were, you know, to have IndyCar racing back in Portland and back to the Pacific Northwest. So it was it was just fabulous. And we're already uh, anticipating uh, at least the same sort of turnout, if not even a little bit more. So we're, uh, we're pretty excited. Good. It takes a couple of years to probably build back again. So clearly it was a success last time around. Last year, uh, what, did, what did you learn about the Northwest race fans? You know, I think more than anything, um, and, 
you know, the Northwest race fans are, are a little bit more of a sophisticated crowd. I think, I think they're, uh, they're very knowledgeable, um, not only in terms of the drivers, but also the technology that's in the cars. I think that they're very appreciative of the skill that it actually takes to wheel one of these things around, uh, Portland International Raceway. And, and also, you know, they're very in tune with the competition. You know, they know who's leading. They know, good, my goodness, this driver has to finish at least fifth to be able to jump up in the points. So that's something I think that's, uh, very special about the Pacific Northwest when yeah. it comes to IndyCar fans. We've got a lot of wise, wise people here who, uh, who believe they know more than the rest of us, I will tell you. <laughs> they're always <laughs> testing me on my, on my knowledge as well. You know, we're the home of Nike, the home of Adidas uh, in North America, the home of Intel. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of educated people here, a lot of colleges too. Uh, but we uh, still love our racing. So this year, what have we got to look forward to, Jerry? Well, we definitely have uh, more more action than even last year. You know, uh, if you've been following IndyCard series, Jen, it sounds like you're pretty in tune with it. But oh, yeah. we've got a great championship battle again, and uh, you know we're the we're the second to last race of the season. You know, we've got a number of drivers that are still in the hunt. We just saw Alexander Rossi take uh, another victory at Road America last weekend, so you know he's right on the heels of Joseph Newgarden again. A lot of new drivers and new talent. We got Colton Herta, Powell Award, uh, some real young guns that are really shaking up the field. So, you know, with IndyCar itself, you're going to see a lot more excitement. You know, not that last year didn't have enough excitement, but it was exciting. Year, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were so many wrecks. Another neat. <laughs> yeah, we try not to talk too much about okay. the wrecks, but Sorry. they definitely do create a lot of action, though. Well, yeah. did, but, uh, a lot of people go just for the wrecks, I have to tell you. And I, I know that might be a surprise to you, Jerry, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We have something else in store this year that I think um, those sorts of fans are really going to appreciate. We actually have the Robbie Gordon Stadium Super Truck Series that's coming out here. This oh, wow. is the first time they've been in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, wow. So basically what they are, they're, uh, they're uh, like a Baja off-road truck. Yeah. They're going to race around the track, but we actually pull out these temporary jump ramps, and they Ooh. actually get all four wheels off the ground and fly through the air and bang into each other while they're in the air, and they go through corners on two wheels sometimes. So definitely a lot of action. We've gotten a tremendous response for people that are interested in the stadium super trucks. Yeah, my, strangely enough, people in Poland and uh, the Northwest, they do like their trucks too, and their mm -hmm. truck racing yeah. as well. It's a, it's a big thing here. Uh, so that's taking place. Now, I noticed one of the things, by the way, I think is is really kind of cool. It's a little depressing too, but it, it's 59 days, 9 hours, 11 minutes, and 1 second until <laughs> until the race starts. You have a timer on the top of your website, <laughs> yes. which uh, yeah. I know by the time most people get clicking on it, uh, which is, by the way, uh, Portland GP com portlandgp.com you can go and uh, learn everything about the Grand Prix uh, in Portland but uh, it tells us how long we have to wait uh, September 30th sorry August 30th to September 1st uh, are the races as well so what is the what does the several days look like so that's four days you have it three days it's yeah three days Friday Saturday and Sunday but you know there's there's essentially non-stop track activity each day uh, Indy cars are running every day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday is going to be your practice session for IndyCar. Uh, Saturday is going to be practice as well as qualifying, which uh, if you haven't seen the qualifying for an IndyCar race, I think it's one of the most exciting forms of racing on the planet, just in, in terms of the format and the way it's done. And then naturally we have the IndyCar race on Sunday. But we also feature the entire Road to Indy series that's presented by Cooper Tires. You know, so that's your Formula 2000. It's going to be your Pro Mazda. 
as well as Indy Lights. Uh, we also have the return of the Mazda MX-5 Cup, which is your essentially, you know, they're semi-street legal, the Mazda Roadsters that you see running around town. They've converted them with a roll cage, and that's always a super fun class because they're just, uh, they run so tight together and, you know, um, always put on a really good show. So no matter what day you're out there, there's plenty of activity going on, as well as the super trucks. Those are going to be running each day as well. Now, I just, uh, I was just, we were just talking about this before we had you on, Joe. We're just talking about, uh, I was in Germany uh, at the BMW World this last week, and we were talking to them, and they were showing us off their Formula E cars and those sort of things. I was surprised to learn with the Formula E cars that the cars for qualifying aren't the same as the car in the race. They have a different setup, and they use them slightly differently. Uh, does the cars that you run in qualifying day on the Saturday, is it the same exact same setup and the same driving style for the Sunday for the race itself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it is. There may be some subtle differences in terms of fuel load, that sort of thing. They may want to try to run the cars a little bit lighter during qualifying since they're not necessarily out there for as long of a period. But uh, it's the same cars, same engines. They're tuned the same. So there isn't any difference whatsoever between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with the cars. And then for, for qualifying, uh, everybody gets out, but they do a shorter distance for qualifying. So uh, qualifying races take, take sort of how long? Well, they, they run a sequence. They call it the Fast Six Shootout. So basically what they do is they take the entire field of, let's say it's 24 cars, like divide that into two groups. They want they run one group of twelve first, then they run another group of twelve. They take the fast six out of each one of those two groups and combine that into another group of twelve. And then they run that group and then they take the top six from that and then that sets uh the top six for the grid for the start. But each one of those sessions ranges basically from ten to twelve minutes. So it's and it's just back to back to back to back. So like I said, it's a lot of excitement. And in some cases, for the fast six guys, you're going to see them run three times right. uh, during the qualification. So, so it's fun, you know. Once you once you kind of tune in and see what's going on, and oh my gosh, he's got to get him on this lap, otherwise, you know, he's not going to be in the top six or the top twelve. Right. So it's really fun to watch. Yeah, His, historically, shootout. Historically, yeah. has anybody had a really horrible qualifier and ended up, you know, deep down in the pack and still won? You know, you can never rule it out. Yeah, I mean, that's something that can always happen in racing. You know, a lot of it comes down to strategy and timing and how they nail a, a caution flag or, you know, their fuel or their setup maybe working, the tire strategy as well. Um, so it is never, ever <laughs> out of the realm of possibly happening. Not written in stone. Uh, so same sort of teams as we saw the last time, Penske and the rest of the teams all set up to go, or are we seeing new teams uh, turn in for 2019? You know, it, it is. It's, we've got uh, the same top teams that we had here last year. We have an additional team now. Uh, the driver is Colton Herta, and it's actually uh, a st the team is actually owned by a uh, Steinbrenner family. Okay. So from the New York Yankees fame. Right. But uh, so that's one new addition that we have. We've also had a couple of other teams who have actually added a car. So, you know, we're anticipating uh, a good 24 to 25 cars again this year. So it's looking well. It's going to be a, a busy, uh, busy day. Now, it, there's a lot uh, other to do at the event j than just sit in the stands and watch racing, right? You make it a whole hospitality family fun day? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we really like to consider it more of a festival. Um, definitely, you know, 
kinds of activities for the whole family to do out there. You know, we do have a number of uh, IndyCar autograph sessions, you know, and uh, Jan, I'm sure you can attest here, you know, the IndyCar paddock, there is nothing else like it in professional sports. You can literally be right up next to the drivers, uh, the mechanics, the entire team. And, and, you know, in all honesty, these are some of the nicest people you're ever going to find in any major league sport. Yeah, I ended up meeting Roger while I was there. Mr. Penske. <laughs> it was yeah. pretty awesome. It was amazing. He was yeah. very friendly, and we got to talk to the pit crews, and it was pretty cool. Now yeah. it is. You know, they're all very accessible, and, you know, even Mario Andretti's here running around on his scooter and giving rides in the two-seat IndyCar. Oh, see, yeah. I, I've, I've done that before. I did that at uh, Indianapolis Speedway uh, with him. And uh, he, that, that was pretty scary, I have to tell you, in that car. Although I was, I was highly surprised, and, and it may not have been his personal vehicle, but it could have been a rental or whatever, but he, he drove up in a Chrysler 300. I thought that was kind of cool. It was, uh, it was nice to see what he drove off of the track. M mind you, I have, a, I have a lot of friends who are race car drivers who tend to drive something completely um, not a race car and the other times because they say the guy from uh, Formula E uh, was uh, in the, the BMW driver was telling me in Germany that he drives around in a BMW i3 when he's not there. He says because it helps him re remember he's not actually on the racetrack. Which is probably a good thing. Right. Which is probably a good thing. What sort of what sort yeah. of speeds are we expecting to see people do this year on the track? The the Indy cars will get up to about 190 on the back straight, so it's uh, it's pretty exciting and and it's something you just really have to see. You really can't grasp how fast these cars are going until you see them in person. You know, there's something about the sound and you know the smell and and the speed that you know just really really attracts all of your senses so especially at the start of the IndyCar race when you've got all 24 to 25 of them uh just right there in a pack and all heading into uh you know the first turn it's it's there's seriously nothing else like it i like the noise uh, because i've been to a couple of races that don't have if you don't have that that sound of of the the doppler effect of people going past you that is just there's nothing else like it yeah you know, i know yeah <laughs> It's supposed to fill in your gut. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it, it, it's probably probably one of the best uh, best areas. Tickets on sale. How do we get them? How much are they? Where do we go? PortlandGP.com. Just as you mentioned there, Nick, is the best place to go. And uh, in fact, just last week we did launch uh, single day tickets for sale. Uh, and Friday tickets are twenty dollars to get in. For general admission, that essentially will get you uh, um, anywhere around the track. Um, the addition of that would be a paddock pass that you can purchase online as well. And uh, as always, kids 12 and under are free as long as they're with a ticketed adult. Excellent. Jerry Jensen, thank you so much for joining us. That's the IndyCar races coming at the end of August. Uh, you, too, could enjoy some real fan racing at the Portland International Raceway. Uh, PortlandGP.com is where you'll be able to find all the news and the latest tickets. And you can find us at OurAutoExpert.com. Don't go away. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Our auto expert will be right back. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show, Our Auto Expert. You can reach us on all the various social media platforms. OurAutoExpert.com is the website, and you can also... 
uh, find us at our auto expert on Twitter, on Facebook, and on the Instagrams as well. Uh, Jen, did you you had a really good time last year when you went to Cars and Couture, didn't you? I did. I sat um, right in front. I saw you. In the video. In the video. <laughs> yeah, you and your sister there. Yep. So, so you're wearing all black. I am. Which is kind of a very subdued fashion. It's very modern New York, black and white, you know, mm-hmm. the true colors of fashion. Yeah. Your sister's wearing bright pink. Yes, she is. She's, she's very girly. <laughs> is it girly? Yeah, she likes her pinks, and, you know, she looks really good in them. And I am more of a black and white kind of girl. Are you? Yeah. In fact, they had these dresses last year. You probably love to hear this. It's in latex. And they actually had black and white designs. It was really pretty. I almost bought one. It was 97 degrees in <laughs> Munich last week. And all I can think about is latex would have been the last thing anybody in Munich would be wearing. True. But these were beautiful. Uh, they were? Mm-hmm. Did you get one? No. Why? Because. Because what? I'm not sure if I can do the latex thing. <laughs> but it was pretty. There was only way, one way to find out. You have to actually do it. Yeah. Uh, D- David Bailey on the phone to talk about cars and couture. Uh, welcome back to the show. It seems like a year ago that we talked to you about this, David. Yes, uh, thank you for having me back, Nick. I really appreciate it. Uh, so last year, your theme was BMWs. You had the BMW uh, vehicles at Cars and Couture. This year, do you have a theme picked out? Um, well, they've got a Cadillac collection, uh, basically Cadillacs through the years. Uh, rather an amazing collection of Cadillacs. I've had a couple of chances to kind of walk through and see some of the different cars that they've got. That's now. Now you have to sort of get it all suave and sophisticated with your fashion as well, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's um, it's it's always fun to to work with Old Man Museum on the on this project, and uh, every year they bring in a new car car collection for their main floor, and um, we don't necessarily get much of a say in it, but uh, we're always pleasantly surprised on what they bring in. It's usually a, a collection that has a lot of punch to it. Um, this year's Cadillac collection definitely doesn't disappoint. All right, so so give us the elevator pitch on the event. Tell us uh, how it, you know, what it is, how it runs, when it runs, uh, so people who are interested in fashion and cars can sort of buy. But there's probably something for every family, by the way. It's like you have one member of the family, oh, it's really cars. Yeah, but there's fashion too. What? Oh, fashion? I'm going to go. So you kind of got all the bases covered in the family. So give us the elevator pitch on cars and couture. Well, it's on Saturday, July 20th. Um, we open the doors at 6.30. Uh, this is our third annual show. Uh, this is something we're going to continue on, and it's absolutely something that we've had a lot of fun producing. Basically, it's merged our love of fashion with cars uh, to kind of create a unique fashion show experience. Yeah. The big thing for us is this is in all ages. Uh, basically, we just turn it up. We have no problems uh, having people <clears throat> of younger generations come, and um, it's been a lot of fun to be able to bring the younger generations as well as, you know, for fashion shows that we produce, uh, it does bring in a lot more guys into our percentages. It's a little closer to 50-50 when it comes to who wants to attend this. And, and we kind of lean into it a little bit even. Uh, some of our ticket packages actually have a $10 option to, an additional $10 option to be able to get uh, entrance into the museum for the day and then come back for the fashion show. Uh, so you actually get, um, what's amazing is that for the show, we have everybody on the, on the main floor, uh, and it's a beautiful venue. 
Uh, but there's actually five floors of, uh, of cars, and they've got all different types of exhibits and all different types of collections throughout it. But, um, you know, the, to give people the opportunity to really check out the museum as well as check out the fashion show, it's been kind of fun to get, you know, a different blend of, of what you traditionally have at a fashion show. Uh, after talking to Jen, after she got back last year, one of the things that am- amazed her and uh, she couldn't stop talking about was the quality of male models that you had there. She said they were outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, even the designer was amazing who did all the male oh, yeah. suits. Uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, um, they, they've done a great job over the years of, of, of my team bringing different uh, male designers. So every year we try to make sure that we have a male designer bringing in male models and this year ours is Gustavo Petit Couture uh, is our men's line collection and they participated on the show two years ago and have come back to, to participate in this, this year's show. How do you decide who the designers are and and what they're going to be showing? Well specifically we're looking for couture designers which means they're either ready to wear or you know made to measure um, it's not a mass produced type of fashion um, so these are designers that are, are looking to custom make something for, for people. Um, and for us, it's, you know, going and, and trying to find the best couture designers in the region that, um, that we can kind of elevate and showcase as like, hey, everybody, this is, these are what the, the talented people that we have in the region. Uh, that if you are looking for custom, these are people that, you know, we definitely highly recommend. Um, and it's trying to help find a little bit of a variety. We've got some that do wedding dresses. We have some that do evening dresses, some that do cocktail dresses, uh, menswear. Um, you know, we've got a very strong uh, collection of uh, five designers pretty, uh, coming in for this year's show. I'm looking at some of the, uh, you know, pieces that were shown last year. I'm not a fashion mm-hmm. expert. Might be a car expert, but not a fashion expert, definitely. But they are pretty outstanding, and and they complemented the uh, the BMW collection last year. Do you look for the the designers have an idea of what you're gonna what sort of cars are gonna be shown so they can uh, somehow balance it off with the fashion that they're working with? We do. I mean, we'd like to know what we're having as far as the collection goes. But actually, when we start recruiting the designers, we don't even know ourselves what what the car collection will be. Um, so it, it does give them a little bit of influence. I'd say it, it probably impacts them maybe 10, 10 to 20%, but uh, most of them kind of have a, a feel and a look of what they're wanting to do. And, you know, it does amazing, amazing how well it does go on with the cars that we have. You know, it, um, especially this year with having, you know, last year's questions with the BMWs and the, the, the racing um, cars that um, this year's, has the cars all through all throughout the years. So you have, you know, cars from the, the early 1900s to, to current cars. Um, one of my favorites, I think, of this year's collection is one that we use for our promo shoot, uh, which is actually a 2003 prototype. You look at the car and you think it was, you know, made for right now, and it's, uh, it's amazing. It's over 15 years old. So that's amazing. Uh, uh, we're running out of time, I'm afraid, my friend. But if you want to go to America's Car Museum, Saturday, July 20th at 6.30 p.m. till 11 p.m., Cars and Couture. I'm recommending Jen is just nonstop talking about want to go and see it next year. She'll post pictures on our auto experts, uh, different social medias, Instagram, you want to check it out. Very good. Go check the website out. It's absolutely outstanding. More auto expert with Nick Miles is on the way. 
It's our auto expert with Nick Miles. Our auto expert in the studio, Jen, is here, our producer and uh, maker of magic. Uh, she has pulled everything together for this week's show. Um, Jen, thanks for running my life. Hey, anytime, There's Nick. A few other things for you to do, too. <laughs> I'm sure you, can you do. Pick up dog, can you pick up dog food on your way home? No. Uh, <laughs> so recently, uh, Hyundai uh, introduced their brand new uh, third row SUV into the world. Uh, they did it in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and they introduced the brand new Hyundai Palisade. Uh, I went on the ride and drive, but so did my pal Perry Stern from uh, MSN Autos and from uh, OurAutoExpert.com. And Perry joining us on the phone to talk about it. Uh, Perry, first of all, uh, this has a sister vehicle, which is the Kia Telluride, which was released probably about four months ago and is turning heads all over the industry, probably going to win a bunch of awards. Do you think the uh, the Palisade met the bar that was set so highly by the Kia Telluride? I think it did, and we kind of expected that it would because it's built on the same platform, has a lot of the same features, mainly because Hyundai and Kia are part of the same company, even though neither of those brands will actually admit that. Um, <laughs> yes, I did notice when they, they, they did the competition vehicles, they listed them all off. They didn't list the Kia Telluride, which was hilarious to me. They mentioned it when we asked about it, though. Right. They said, oh, yes, of course the Telluride is a competitor. But it's it's still <laughs> a really good vehicle. I mean, the Telluride is more designed for adventure, you know, if you take a look at it, where the Palisade feels more like a premium luxury vehicle. Uh, and I think that's kind of what they're going for, for, you know, for Hyundai. And it's an amazing value for what you get, like every other Hyundai. If I was to put both in front of you, fully loaded, which one would you choose? <laughs> but I think if you were behind the wheel, uh, there are certain things actually that are better in the Palisade than are in the Telluride. So one of those things, for example, is Palisade has a shift by wire, which means it doesn't need to have an actual you know, shifter. It has a little dial. So actually, it has buttons to change gears, which means that takes up very little space, freeing up for tons of space to store all your gear underneath the center console as well as in the center console. So there are certain advantages that the Hyundai gets that the, the Kia does not. I actually prefer the Kia Telluride, but I want some of the features like that that are in the Hyundai. For instance, when you signal to turn left or right in the Kia, it appears in between the two gauges up front. When you do it in the Hyundai Palisade, it actually takes away the speedometer or the revometer, and it replaces it with the camera picture of what's in your mirror. So I, I think it's one of the coolest features of the, I agree, it's one of the coolest features the Palisade has to show your blind spot right in front of you uh, when you put on either turn signal. And unlike Honda, which is one of the first I ever saw do this, Honda only does it on the right. Right. The, the, the Hyundai does it on both. Yeah, no, that's purely one of the most amazing features that it has. Uh, I think it has cooled seats in the second row as well in the Hyundai. Am I right? That is one of the options as well, yeah. 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 So, um, mind you, I don't feel that kids should have an option. They, I mean, they, they should have it a bit tough because then there's no stimulation to go out and earn a living. Otherwise, they're just going to smooch off mom and dad all the time if they think they can have things well, like cool seats. All you have to do is shove three of them in the back row, and I think they'll get that message. Because <laughs> um, that message, that, that row is, 
you know, there's a decent amount of leg room, and if you only have two people back there, it's livable, but it's designed for three, and I still haven't quite figured out what size people they need to be if you fit three in there. Under 50 pounds a piece, I think, is probably... Something like that, yeah. I will tell you that uh, I was super impressed by access into the third row. Uh, not only push a button or go through between the captain's chairs, but also on the inside of the back door, on the right-hand side of the body frame portion, they've actually molded handles in. So you know how normally you kind of either reach up and grab the grab handle above you, or you reach up and grab that little piece of metal that helps lock the door? You can actually put your hand around the corner and use a handle that's specially built into the side of the car, plus they have two steps on the inside. That's the sort of genius that I can't believe nobody has done before. And when you think about it, it's such a simple thing, but they thought of it and no one else did. Uh, the other nice thing about that back row, if you do get shoved back there, uh, on the top of the line level, there are two USB ports back there. So you can even plug in all of your gear, even if you're relegated to the third row. It's nice to have the kids at least quiet because their devices are charged. I will say exactly, that. and Hyundai does have a system so that if the kids are sleeping back there, you can actually mute the speakers in back, so mm. that you can still listen to music in front and doesn't bother the kids in back. At the same time, if they're making a lot of trouble back there, there's an intercom system yeah. that you can actually talk to the kids in the back without having to scream back to the third row which I thought was also a pretty cool feature. One of the biggest problems with third row vehicles, and I think parents all over the world clearly have this problem, once you get a third row, you realize it, that your arm cannot reach back to slap knees <laughs> that far. It's too far to do knee slapping. That's when you say, if I have to pull this car over. <laughs> exactly. Jen sounds like she's been in the back of a vehicle. Oh, Wait, you had yeah. a sister. Were you, in, were you and your sister, did you have a two, two row or three row? Oh, Come on, no, we didn't even have, you know, it was just, you were Bonnie Carlo. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, and right. it was always, she's touching me, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, so yeah, I heard that a lot. I think, Perry, didn't you yeah, make I, your... Yeah, I recall those days. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you make your daughter ride in the back of your pickup, Perry? You mean in the bed of the truck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, by the time my daughter was born, everyone had figured out that that wasn't safe. Yeah. When I was yeah. growing up, no one had figured it out yet, so I rode in the back all the time. Right, really. <laughs> Did, I, I do remember, like, pe parents who were concerned it may not be safe used to strap, like, the removable minivan seats in the back of the pickup trucks. I remember yeah, seeing... that would make all the difference. Yeah, I remember seeing some... Uh, you give me that and a bungee cord and say good luck. Isn't it crazy how we've progressed well, you know from something, the days of no seatbelts to what now? I, what I find hilarious is that uh, when I went to school, my science teacher who taught me physics said... Everything I'm going to teach you by the time you become an adult in your 40s will be a lie. They'll discover that we were wrong. <laughs> and and uh, he could not be more accurate. Like, as my go through life, everything that we were told suddenly discovered we're wrong. So let's just fast forward this wheel and say what we now believe is safe and is the right thing to do. In the, you know, in 30 years' time, everybody's going to be going, that was so dangerous. <laughs> I have no clue how people could do that in a vehicle back yeah. then. It was so dangerous. Right. When they yeah. figure out that the phones against our heads are actually <laughs> melting our brains. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it would yeah. be, I find that hilarious if I actually had a brain to melt. <laughs> well, which is like, exactly. <laughs> we just talked about what, uh, a few months ago about certain cancers, you know, from batteries and yeah. cars and things yeah. like that, so... It, 
It's uh, all right. This show took a sudden black yeah, it turn. Did, didn't for it? The list. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, value value for money, Perry. Uh, what are you thinking? Are you thinking that because uh, I know. Okay. When you do it against the Telluride, and I hate uh, somebody from Hyundai, if they hear us talking about the the, the tel- Kia Telluride, they're going to get really upset. But uh, against it's a competitive vehicle, yeah, I mean it is technically a competitive vehicle. Uh, the Hyundai wanted to show us that the they feel that the Palisade is a better value than the Telluride. Well, I think it's not. I mean. And this isn't necessarily going to be compared against Telluride, but I think the one that's most telling is the top of the line uh, Palisade, which is fully loaded. I mean, with just about everything you can think of, is about forty-five grand. If you go to a Ford Explorer, which is probably you know one of the most popular eight-pass, seven and eight-passenger options, if you go to the top of the line of that, you're ten grand higher at least. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to revolutionize the third-row SUVs. This is. You know, in a sense, I feel like I've said this like every two or three years, but I think the Koreans are stepping up and going, look what we can do mm-hmm. and everybody else better get yeah. their act together because this has been the domain that's really been dominated by people like Dodge and people like Ford. Uh, but now it looks like the Koreans are uh, stepping up and saying we can do it cheaper. We can do it with a 10 year, 100,000 mile warranty uh, starts at $32,000 fully loaded. You'll find it somewhere between 43 and 47. I mean, that's pretty outstanding. It is pretty impressive, and and it's so quiet. It feels like a luxury car. It feels like a premium car. Uh, I think they're going to sell like crazy. Perry, where can we read your stuff? Uh, you can read it up on MSN. You can read it on autonxt.net or on your site, our auto expert. Our site, Perry. Our site. Thank our you. Site. <laughs> <laughs> Perry Stern, one of the best guys in the auto business. Thank you for telling us about the new Hyundai Palisade. You can read his articles at ourautoexpert.com. He's a, he's a pretty good writer, let me tell you, and he has a great insight into some of the best cars on the market. More to come. Stand by. Anton Warman next. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up. This is Our Auto Expert. It all makes me happy that when the music comes on for the show, Jen dances. I do, every time. Uh-huh. It's so exciting. It's well, it's, it's great choice by our production staff. Yeah. That's, that's what I say. Uh, welcome to the Our Auto Expert headquarters. Uh, you're listening to the show. Don't forget social media, ourautoexpert.com. Uh, you can also go to Twitter, Facebook, the Instagrams, and see all of the latest uh, news stories provided by our team. Which actually, we uh, reached 2 million Americans a day. So that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and they all write to me. I get individual emails all the time. One of the guys that uh, never talks to me unless we're on the radio, though, is our friend, independent analyst and investor, Anton Warman. Uh, he joins us on the phone to take a look at the markets and see what's going on in the automotive world as far as uh, money and technology are concerned. So, Anton, I just got back from spending a week in uh, Munich with BMW, and uh, a member of the board told me that Tesla's truck, their semi-truck, uh, is actually not scientifically feasible uh, they said that the technology does not exist to create this truck and uh, he used a word which is one of the 12 words banned by the FCC so I can't say it it's for Borden beautiful no I think it is the same word that I've heard I think somebody from Daimler's truck division utter I think it was just a little bit over a year ago at an event also in Germany in which uh, he basically said that based on basically known physics to date, that the numbers that they have provided with respect to the range of this truck and its capable payload 
and its charging time, not to even touch the subject of cost, are essentially an impossible equation for the next handful of years. So when it comes to uh, these full-size semi-trucks, you know, the biggest constraint, first of all, is simply weight. These trucks have to uh, weigh no, no more than X while carrying a payload that is of a certain height as well. And and that's kind of interesting, too, because they're saying it's so heavy, the batteries to actually power the truck would be so heavy that physically they wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, pull a load, basically, just be pulling the batteries. That's right. No, that is the big, single biggest constraint. I mean, at some point you can get over cost by subsidizing this thing, and you can get over a few other things saying, well, maybe the range isn't going to turn out to be 500 miles. Maybe it is supposed to be a little bit less. But at, at, at the most core level, you have to be able to pull these 80,000 pounds that a standard uh, you know, large truck uh, is, is tasked to do. If you can't get there, then uh, all these other constraints become uh, just uh, secondary. So that's a tough one. Um, at least the, the companies that we honor and we know so well uh, are actually calling it out. Now, there was plenty of other news, uh, BMW, a lot of our stuff that I had was embargoed, but they also showed off their new uh, iNext M uh, Vision vehicle. Uh, did you get to look at that? What did you think of that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just not a huge fan of that one. I think that, you know, uh, clearly it's clear what they're trying to do. They're trying to create sort of the electrified M5. That's a, it's effectively what they're trying to show off, saying, well, we can build a seven, eight, nine hundred horsepower contraption here uh, that is electric at its core and uh, that can outperform anything else we've done that looks like this, namely the M5. But you know what? I don't think most customers are so all that interested in that. I mean, we have, you know, there are only so many people who are wanting to pay extra for this ultra, ultra performance. Once you get into zero to 60 times anywhere near these four, three, or below second type of numbers, I mean, you're talking about a pretty thin air up at that altitude of people who are going to pay the near $100,000 or so that a vehicle of that nature would have to cost. And I think BMW would be better served to emphasize some of its lower-priced electrified vehicles that we know are coming, such as the iX3, which is initially going to be built in China, as well as the... Uh, I-4, which is essentially an electrified 4-series Grand Coupe, uh, those cars are hitting in uh, 2020 and early 2021, if I remember the dates correctly. And those are going to be priced uh, quite a lot less while still offering the fundamental acceleration and related performance that people want in spades. You don't need to sort of hammer away and hitting that nail hard from every angle when, when you've already sort of you're deep into the end zone here. So um, I, I, that's why I was not a particular fan of that, uh, that concept that they showed. One of the things that I um, I can't talk about, but I can sort of hint to, is I got to drive a BMW car that won't be announced until uh, November. Um, but they they gave me a version of this car to drive. It was covered in camo, and um, they sort of discussed what the price would be of this vehicle and what its competitors. And uh, I have to tell you right now, they're going to turn a lot of the world upside down. I mean, they realize that everybody wants to be in a luxury car, and they realize what people want. And they've actually got it, and and for the price. 
Yeah, no, I mean, clearly then they're going to have to do that because if you look at what's coming here uh, in, in, in about a year from now, you have, on the one hand, you've got the Volvo Polestar 2, which is an all-electric hatchback uh, that is not extremely low slung. It will compete directly with the BMW i4, for example, and uh, fully loaded, it'll be $63,000. A base version eventually, after a few months of selling first, the more expensive ones will come down as low as the $42,000 range. And then you have uh, something like the, the Ford uh, crossover that will be out also later in 2020. So uh, BMW certainly will have to offer a very compelling equation to get into the uh, heart of this market. And that's where we're seeing not just a handful, not just even a couple of dozen, but many, many dozens of cars of this general ilk of well over 200 miles worth of range, more than acceptable performance and having a fairly practical type of body style come into the market in a big way over the next one to two and a half years from now. And at the end of that uh, rainbow, we'll be sitting at about 200 nameplates in the market and 200 of these cars fighting for the consumer. And to be able to sell them, they're all going to have to be sold at very favorable prices, favorable to the consumer, that is, which will generate enormous losses for the automakers. Stand by, Anton. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to tell you about the self-driving car I was in. More of our auto expert with Nick Miles is coming up. This is our auto expert. Now, here's Nick Miles. Uh, joining us on the phone, our independent investor and analyst, Anton Wallman, is with us. So, Anton, part of this trip to Germany, the BMW world in Munich, was we actually got to sit in a self-driving car that had nobody... In the driver's seat, usually they stick somebody in the driver's seat. They had nobody in the driver's seat and drove us around a course. And uh, then they did things like had people walk in front of it. And, you know, all these people, all their whole job all day was just to walk in front of a car and watch the car respond. And as expected, it didn't hurt anybody. It was uh, impressive. But BMW did say that they think it's going to be 20 years until a true self-driving car is going to be available. Yeah, you know what the significance is, uh, Nick, of the 20-year estimate? It is the time at which none of the people that are making that prediction and promise will still be employed with a company. So they will be safely away from having to say that 20 years from now, our prediction did not come through. Right. So it's a little bit like politicians promising certain benefits to people and all of that, that, well, wow, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to have all of these great things. Of course, there will be long retired by then. Adios, <sighs> goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think what they're saying is that it's not going to happen in two or three years. What they're saying is it's a long way out and, and nobody's ready for it and nobody's thought about integrating non-self-driving cars and self-driving cars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They say, so we're going to get to level three, level four, but there's going to be no level fives uh, in their lifetimes, which I would have to tell you I absolutely agree with. I think that we're a long way away from the true self-driving car. Even though the technology exists today, the world is just not ready for it. But one of the things that they did show us is their new traffic light system we got to drive on the roads in munich with a real car and uh, we showed a traffic light turning red and the car actually coming to a complete stop it recognizes the light and they did it they demonstrated it uh, the car they didn't touch anything the car came to a complete stop first time i've experienced this and first time i've actually seen it in action on a car do you think that's going to be in cars soon 
Well, let me think. You know, my house cat has a greater self-awareness today than a level two automobile in terms of being able to jump in the right places. And you would think at the basic minimum requirement, a rough one and a half year old child can roughly acknowledge and stop at a red light when they see it. So I think that this is not a major achievement. This is one of the you know most basic requirements to get anywhere in this thing. I mean, you're talking about what is going to be required to get get through a snowstorm in Minnesota in the winter when it's uh, completely dark outside and you don't see anything of a road. Forget about road signs and red lights and all of that. I mean, recognizing and acting upon the direction of our, of, of our red light, that is like the simplest possible level that you could possibly achieve in a hierarchy of level of difficulties for an autonomous car. So they had better get to that because they have a lot bigger and taller hills to climb ahead of them before they can even get to level three, let alone level for level five. Yeah, hopefully this technology will be available in uh, in upcoming BMWs in the next year or so too. All right, let's look at well, some. Uh, of think about think 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 about this. Uh, Nick, you know, it was two and a half years ago that Audi launched. The first city was Las Vegas, but then now in I think ten or eleven cities in the U.S. The ability of their cars also to recognize red lights. But they, what they do is that they tell you the driver the number of seconds until it's going to turn right. green, or conversely, when the green light is going to turn red, and of course, that incorporates all of the intelligence to, if they should so desire, to incorporate the actual braking functionality. Right. Now, as Audi hasn't done that yet, but you think about this, all of the basic intelligence to then say, well, then we also apply the brake pedal is already there and has been in service for two and a half years on the road today in every single Audi model you can currently buy. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, um, but I'd like to see some of these things at least enabled, but of course a lot of legislation in the U.S., including things like the adaptive laser headlights and those type of things, they're not, uh, they're not all available yet and some legislative work to be done. Let's, uh, let's turn our attention to Tesla. Second quarter unit sales at some point in the next uh, few days is going to be available, so let's put a flag in the sand and see how do you think Tesla are going to turn out uh, with their latest uh, sales numbers. Yeah, basically, when they reported, uh, you know, earnings earlier in the year, they they predicted that they said they were going to do um, uh, ninety to a hundred thousand units in the second quarter. I think that they will probably reach at least the bottom end of that. So they'll be right around uh, 90,000 plus or minus a couple. I think I'm on record as I've said predicting about 88. So they'll get very, very close. And uh, the mystery here is not all that great. Clearly, the company has been discounting many of their cars. You can go and pick up a Model 3 or a Model S or a Model X off the lot today at uh, many, many thousands of dollars below the uh, official MSRP that you'll see on their website. So they're moving a lot of units by lowering prices. And lo and behold, when you lower prices, you sell more units. Uh, the bottom line is going to be a disaster, of course, at least before you start uh, accounting for uh, emissions credits and all the other goodies that the company gets that actually helps them to the tune of a few hundred million dollars per quarter. But the actual car economics uh, will suffer greatly from this. But I do think that they'll be able to at least approximately meet the lower end of the band that they promised uh, a quarter ago. Uh, do you think that uh, Tesla are going to be able to improve their uh, their future, or do you think it's a slow climb down a hill? 
Well, you know, Tesla uh, lives and dies off of one thing, really, and that is uh, the amount of subsidies and incentives and mandates that are imposed by governments around the world. So you can see this in countries such as Holland and Italy. You can see it in certain U.S. states and in various other countries around the world. When the subsidies go up, then, of course, they sell a lot more. And when the subsidies go down, typically there's a huge spice spike in sales if there's time for somebody to make a purchase uh, right before the subsidy ends. And we've seen this right now in Canada, for example. Canada is going to have a huge second quarter because in a couple of the provinces in in, in Canada, such as Ontario and uh, uh, British Columbia, they have enormous incentives well in excess of $10,000. I think in one of them it's more like $15,000. And uh, customers are hurrying up to to take delivery here before these incentives may go away here in the not too distant future. So uh, this is what is driving sales and uh, it will continue to drive sales going forward. So you watch government subsidies and you can pretty much uh, predict where Tesla is going to sell uh, their cars. Um, so ultimately without government subsidies, no Tesla? Well, uh, not necessarily, right? I mean, you have, I mean, the, the, the comp- if, if the product is is uh, is good and the company's cost structure is under control, you know, you still could have a, you know, a company that would survive maybe at a lower valuation and a lower scale. But, you know, that doesn't mean that Tesla would necessarily go away. Now, clearly here, there are many other uh, parts of the equation that could trip things up, uh, such as, uh, you know, mismanaged cost structure and over leveraged ban- balance sheet in which the company has simply taken on too much debt in the last five years that they simply can't dig themselves out of. All of those things remain perils and, uh, we'll just have to see whether the company can raise enough money to pay off those debts or whether they can somehow turn the fundamental cost structure of the company around so that they can actually start generating a positive margin. And uh, right now it doesn't look too good, but that, that, that does not mean that it's impossible. Now, last uh, week, uh, FCA, which includes the Jeep brand, had their uh, big what's new event in uh, Chelsea, Michigan. They showed off uh, all the cars that are coming in September, but they have uh, some plug-in Jeeps that are scheduled to start hitting the market in early 2020. Tell us about those. Yeah, so we have uh, three Jeeps that are coming in 2020. First of all will be the Wrangler, you know, of course, the most iconic vehicle of them all, uh, which will start sales in the first quarter, uh, made in Toledo, Ohio. It will have a plug-in hybrid variant coming. The company just took the um, factory down for about three or four weeks here in uh, mid-May uh, till early June in order to reconfigure the production line so as to be able to actually produce this vehicle. Secondly will be the Renegade and the Compass, and the Renegade is made in, uh, among other places, in the southern Italy. Uh, and the Compass is made in, among other places, in Mexico. And uh, those will also get a plug-in hybrid variant coming, I think, a little bit later in 2020, but uh, driven more in those two cases by the European requirements and the U.S. ones. But I believe they will all be sold eventually in relatively short order in essentially all geographies. So uh, the Wrangler, obviously, clearly first and foremost made for the U.S. market, but again, probably uh, soon thereafter made available around the world as well. I mean, you can imagine that given the new legislation in uh, anywhere from the U.K. to France and a few other countries that uh, the Renegade today is not exactly a popular vehicle, but if you make it into a plug-in hybrid variant, maybe it could become a bit of a naturally more realistic cult vehicle there as it has been for decades already here in the United States. And do we think that there's going to be a a take rate for the smaller uh, plug-in hybrids in the United States, like the Renegade and the Compass? Because we're not tend to be in not a small uh, car market. 
No, we're not. But I mean, the Compass and the Renegade sell at very healthy volumes today in the United States. So whether the plug-in hybrid versions will or won't sell very well will depend squarely on one thing, and that is pricing. And we're talking the net pricing after how FCA first must internally subsidize the product because they're essentially forced by fuel economy mandates to, to arrive at a, a more uh, frugal mix of across their entire fleet that is for sale. And you combine that with the various government incentives, such as the $7,500 federal government uh, tax credit and the various state credits. For example, Colorado is now right now sitting at $5,000. We'll go down to 4000 next year. And then California is, in most cases, for most people, sitting at $2,500 and various other amounts in, in different states. Of course, there are many states that have no incentives, but many states have, you know, something. So you add them all up and you add other incentives, such as the carpool lane, uh, privilege in California, which is very popular in the two largest metros there. And uh, those would be the things that would drive the sales of those products. So if, if FCA prices the product favorably and the incentives remain, I think they could sell quite a lot of them. You look at the Pacifica, which has already been sale for over two years now, the plug-in hybrid. Uh, it's priced on an apple-samples basis, the plug-in hybrid, about $7,500 above the non-plug-in hybrid version. So if you're actually able to take advantage of the $7,500 federal tax credit, you're paying a zero premium price as a consumer for the plug-in hybrid variant. And in that case, I would argue you'd be crazy not to buy it because you know, you're essentially getting almost no compromise here for a product that is verifiably better and will offer you vastly, vastly better fuel economy and, should I add, also a smoother ride. Uh, finally, in the last uh, minute or so that we have, let's uh, quickly touch on the reorganization at FCA. Uh, there was a big shuffle again, Mike Manley moving all the big executives around. That's right. So, so uh, it's almost confusing because our good friend, for example, Tim Kaniskis, is now back at running the great Dodge brand, the muscle cars and some other cars, and still has some responsibilities left for Alfa Romeo. And then Jim Morrison, who had done been moved around to do a variety of other things, now back at running Jeep. And you know, of course, we have a, a couple of other situations which remain run resolved. But basically, FCA is, uh, is certainly has been uh, there's been no shortage of personnel changes there at the very high end. And I think that uh, a couple of these uh, most recent moves, uh, I think, would, uh, are very well received by most people in the industry, that uh, the right people are now back in the, probably their the, 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 the most appropriate position. So hopefully this bodes well for how FCA will be resolving its various uh, issues here in the, in the months to come. And uh, I certainly remain pretty optimistic. I think that their company is uh, largely on the right track here to, uh, to do the right thing on all of those uh, measures. Couldn't agree more. Anton, where can we read your stuff? Uh, primarily on SeekingAlpha.com as well as on TheStreet.com. TheStreet.com, SeekingAlpha.com, and of course, always on Our Auto Expert, you can hear Alpha, you can hear all of the stuff that Anton does uh, as far as radio is concerned on the podcast. Uh, they're all available, this show, 24-7 at OurAutoExpert.com. You can also uh, read plenty of stuff on our social media channels. We've also got the latest information, breaking news, and of course, every single radio show. You can hear those. We'll see you again next week.